0: digital, student-centred, creative, innovation, imagination, initiative, stories that matter. I'm Joan Sutherland and this is Tales of Teaching Online brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello and welcome to today's podcast on how you can use learning analytics to enhance engagement online. Today I'm joined by Brett McLennan, the Director of Learning Analytics at Deakin who will explore the use of learning analytics and although we can access a lot of data, how can we make meaning from this data? Hi Brett, can you introduce yourself today?
1: Yeah, thanks Joan. Um, I'm Brett McLennan, uh, Director of Learning Analytics at, at Deakin and I've been sort of working in higher education and education more broadly for, oh goodness, nearly nearly 30 years now. So I'm kind of, I've been around for a while and I think the, the interesting thing is that it's a space that keeps developing and growing and there's always more interesting things you can do to develop the, the better experiences for students to engage and continue learning from what they might do inside a university to building that lifelong experience of learning.
0: It's an important uh, point you make in relation to learning analytics being around for some time and it's talked about a lot, but can you just tell us in a few sentences what learning analytics is and what's the benefit of using them in the online space?
1: Yeah, well, I guess learning analytics is often referred to, you know, in the kind of the more seminal texts from uh, places like Solar with, with Simmons and, and so on, as you know, the measurement, collection, analysis and reporting of data about learners in their contexts for the purpose of understanding and optimising the environments in which learning occurs, which, to put it more simply, is about understanding not only what students are doing in a space, but how we can optimise that space for learning to occur. And to, I guess, to want of a better term, to emphasise the things that are working well and to, to minimise or mitigate the things that might not be working quite so smoothly for students in that environment. And, you know, when that was first talked about back in, in 2012, around that, that period, you know, it was looking at a lot of reflective data. But the information we're getting these days is, is so good and so quick that we're starting to move towards what can we do um, as learning is occurring? to make changes, to make corrections, to make some nuances about what students might be doing in our units and subjects.
0: So you mentioned that you emphasise emphasises what's working well and what's not working so well. How can it be used by teaching academics to enhance engagement online real-time and then as a reflective practice?
1: It's a really good question, Joan, because it's, it really is about context and understanding what your unit is about. Because no matter how good a learning analytics environment might be, what the academic knows about their their unit or their subject is how it's taught, what they're trying to achieve as an outcome, the pedagogical principles that sit underneath what they're doing. So, what learning analytics can do is to emphasize, I guess, the outliers or pieces of, of information that seem to be analogous to the action that are taking place. But there could be any number of different reasons why those things occur. They could be a lack of performance in terms of a, a resource we thought was going to work very well. It might be a new staff member coming on board, teaching the unit for the first time and being unfamiliar with the pedagogical underpinnings of that unit. Or it could be that, you know, it's simply um, an artifact that sits in there that doesn't mean really anything. And if we looked at that in terms of success, while it might look, you know, um, ineffective, if you compare that to what normally happens with that kind of media or that kind of medium, it could be, you know, realistically what happens all the time in those spaces so it does require someone to to look at data to look at information and then make a really logically informed choice based on their practice around what steps they might take from from that information
0: so you mentioned context there do you have to um in the relation to learning analytics identify what information that you want to um get before you actually use the data if that makes sense
1: it, it's helpful in some ways, but it's, it's more about, I guess, looking at what patterns you're expecting to see and why are those patterns there and why are they occurring. So, you know, the, the common example I use is with looking at, at video data, for example, when you're looking at someone, how they watch video. And, you know, you would expect to see normally um, what's commonly referred to as a decay curve where there's high engagement at the start of the video and then the longer the video goes, the engagement drops down um, kind of plateaus and then kind of peters away. You expect to see that. If you don't see that kind of pattern, you start to question, okay, why is that happening? That's not what you expect to see with video. So, what's the reason for that? And it could be that the reason for the drop off is that the material that's at the start of the video content is really aligned to assessment, to learning outcomes. Um, it's formally driven by the academics um, approach to their students. They might be talking about things that have been mentioned in, in workshops and secondary activities, but it could be falling away because there are other resources that staff have that students can draw down upon. So we'll often talk about the importance of personalisation in the learning environment, giving students the options of different types of media to engage with that might suit their current needs.
0: So talking about that K-curve, although it's dropping off, it could be for a number of reasons. So you've got to make meaning off that data, essentially.
1: Exactly. And the thing you would say to staff would be, okay, we look at decay curves, we know that students are going to drop off from the start towards the finish. So where's the most critical information you might be having in those videos? If it's at the very end, and you've got a long decay curve and a long tail, then probably a large portion of your students aren't getting that critical information. So do you need to front load that into that peak point when my students are still engaged? Or do you look at making the video content that little bit shorter to minimise the period of where that decay curve becomes a complete atrophy and no one's getting information from that cycle. So that notion of having to know the context of your unit, to understand how it's been put together, to work out when you look at the data, what lever I'm going to pull to maybe correct a behaviour or an attitude or to enhance the success point in those areas. If we pull every single lever that's available to us, we've got no real idea which ones of those was most effective in that context.
0: So there's a number of, you've talked about video as one example, but there's a number of different software uh, that people are using, especially with the transition with COVID-19 to wholly online. Can you get learning analytics um, if, you, if you want particular data from all software?
1: Most software these days will let you get the data. They don't necessarily give you analytics by default. So again, it's that post-processing of the, the data that's coming through to basically refining something that's useful to understand. So you know you might be looking at um, what's commonly coming out of most systems is activity data: how often a file's been opened, how long someone may have looked at it, um, did they share the information that they looked at, um, how long do they spend editing that document? But all those metrics are, are kind of spurious because you know I might open a document at nine o'clock in the morning, then go and make a cup of coffee, then my mobile phone rings. That document might still be open. So a measurement of time in that case is not really beneficial. Or it could be that I'm sharing information to myself or saving the files locally to engage with those offline because my internet connection at home might be flaky. Um, again, particularly with a COVID environment, if a, th- you know, a house full of people are sharing a, a limited broadband connection, then it might be more effective to download everything at the start of the day, process what you can offline, and then push that information back up into that environment. So. We get data about activity, we get data about what people are doing, but we don't necessarily get data about engagement and the depth of understanding that comes with that unless the unit has been designed to pick up those pieces of information by default. So, you know, it's not about has someone done the assessment, it might be about what has someone learnt with the formative information that comes prior to the assessment, that means they're set up for success in that space.
0: Okay, so you've talked about uh, the different data that can be available and you might look at the um, the way a video has been structured, the different types of multimedia resources, how you're um, presenting information to students. Are there any other strategies uh, that you would recommend uh, to look at particular types of data to um, enhance engagement or iterate courses online?
1: I think it comes down a lot to to feedback. So, you know the most difficult thing to analyse with anything is qualitative feedback from from students or stakeholders, because the information is not you know uh, a checkbox of yes or no. It's it's nuanced. Um, it has impact around those pieces that come through. So the real data you want to try to get to is what is it about this process that is impacting someone's ability to proceed or to move forward, um, and that might be um, in a quantitative assessment. It might be students aren't giving positive feedback around watching lots of video. But in a more nuanced qualitative environment, it might be they're not watching the video because they're finding it difficult to extract information from that black box. Uh, there's no transcript perhaps that goes with the video that makes it searchable or content findable. So they're having to plow through large pieces of, of locked-in content to get to that nugget of information they need to, to move forward which is where that notion of, of text versus, you know, a more rich media process is an interesting dynamic to work with. It's about asking questions and maybe challenging what you're seeing in the information that's coming from learning management systems and the ecosystem of the learning environments to work out, is that pattern what I expect to see or is it something different? Like what's happening here, what's working with that space? Or it could be looking at, you know, data that comes out of the formal evaluation of a unit where students might say they were unhappy with, the learning resources that are coming through. Okay, then why were they unhappy? What were the elements they looked at a lot? What were the ones they looked at more infrequently? Those kind of pieces could be an interesting balance to get to. So it's about building that understanding of the unit you know, you're working within and the complexities of what's there. Because unlike um, a finance system where it's kind of very clear where the data goes, you know, funds come in, funds go out, it's very transactional. Learning is hideously complex. You know, the number of nuances and variations that happen in those spaces are not a one-to-one ratio. They're very, very rich. So that makes it much harder to get concrete outcomes from that process. So learning analytics really is never going to give you a concrete answer to your question. It's going to give you a series of prompts that you can explore to validate the thinking and the assumptions underneath what you're trying to achieve and then testing those and refining over time. So iterations, you said before, Is a really key part of this process. We can build it with the best models in the world, with the best processes in the world, and we put that out into the environment. And we go, oh, the students did what? Did it work? They went that
0: way. (laughs) I never expected expected them to do that. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's where analytics can come to the fore and say, okay, how do we go back now and look at what we thought was going to happen and what did actually happen, and how might we use that data to inform choices around the next step to refine that
0: by what you've just said, it sounds like that um, learning analytics or data from one piece of software, it's only one piece of data. So we need to take data from a number of different sources, such as as you're mentioning before, um, feedback, qualitative feedback um, from students and stuff. Is there any other way, any other thing in relation to learning analytics that you in relation to advice to teaching teams that you could give,
1: I think that the key thing would be, so a lovely quote that I, I've stolen from somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no claims to making it my own. But, you know, often people talk about, you know, that data um, is the new oil, you know, that oil for so long has been one of society's most valuable resources. But the real context to that was oil is valuable, but its real value comes from its refinement, not from its actual extraction from the ground. So our challenge really is to extract the data from a myriad of systems and interfaces and then refine that down to the point where it becomes a commodity that's usable by people really effectively. And the real challenge, I guess, for academics in this space is to, to think about what are the insights you're getting from the data that are, are purposeful, they're functional, and they're actionable. Because it's quite easy to generate you know, a series of graphs and, and you know, dashboards and data points. But they might look beautiful. But if you can't take any action on what you're seeing, what's then the what's their purpose? What's their function? What's the, what's the point? Exactly. So we're pulling data out for data's sake. And some things you know, are very, very easy to measure. So they come up all the time. But the impact or the power of those interventions for students might be less important or less, less effective over time. So it's about working with the, the academic to come up with really functional use cases that they can apply in the real world. So it's thinking about, I guess, that notion of how we empower academics through data-generated insights to connect with diverse student needs, to build personalised learning environments, to really increase engagement and success for students in those spaces.
0: There's a great point you make around the oil and data issues in new oil and that refinement. I suppose what I'm hearing was around um, making meaning from that data and asking the questions. So that just gives you a, a vehicle, I suppose, to a, um, answer questions. What questions would you uh, say to academics to ask themselves um, as a closing statement, I suppose, in relation to learning? Yeah, I, I guess it, yep.
1: yeah to, to me, I guess the, the driver for me is what we want to try and achieve is removing the hurdles, you know, the, the roadblocks that are there in front of students. You know, the, the friction points that impede their success in those environments. And, you know, um, we had a shared ex-CEO, Jane, uh, Joan, who used to say, you know, he wants to create a frictionless environment for that to happen. And I used to always say to him, you know, actually, Paul, you don't want a frictionless environment because with, with no friction, there's no movement. So what we want is the most, the minimal amount of friction that enables students to move forward, but keep that momentum going and to push it um, further and further and further. So what is it we can do to make that happen? So it's about targeting what are the things an academic can do in the delivery of their unit that they're going to get value for the student and value for their time and not create an additional load on their delivery. So the idea would be that we want to try and minimise the impact of academic workload by getting insights that would normally take a long time to generate. So, it's getting those performance drivers coming through. How can I save some time in this unit? How can I communicate more effectively through this process? What weren't students getting? Um, it might be looking at you know, what I've often referred to as, as the learning pathways within a unit. So, what are the precursing ideas or elements that lead to a summative assessment? So, if you have these notions of what the precursors are, that's where you want to get the measurement from. Because if you're measuring only from a point of summative assessment, it's already too late. The students already hit the assessment. There's nothing we can change. So what can we build into the cycle that enables that um, ability to predict success? Um, and that might be things you can foreground to the students directly by using data to say, you know, students that have done this unit before, what we found is the students that did these exercises by this period of time or in this week or focused on those components did better than students who didn't use those, those resources and it's coming from an evidence-based statement. So it's not someone saying, you know, well, I believe this is what happens. It's about being able to comfortably say this is what happens. And evidence it
0: with something. Thanks for that, Brett. There's a lot of information that you've provided, in particular around that it's not just a quick fix. I suppose learning analytics, we hear about a lot, and there's this fancy term, but um, in particular around that data and looking at what you're going to actually do with those, um, that data and to challenge your own thought process and assumptions um, in relation to what's happening and that it's not just a quick fix, I suppose, that you're looking for patterns and does it expect, is it what you expected or is it not what you expected and questioning yourself as to why. So, uh, look, thank you for your time today. I just want to know, is there any other comments you'd like to share around uh, learning analytics?
1: Look, I think probably the, the, the parting piece of, of insight would be that the key role that academics play in learning analytics is coming up with the questions that they want solved. And I think what happens oftentimes is people think, I don't have the data to make that assumption. I don't have the data to underpin that, that perspective. But what we really need from the teaching staff and academic staff is what is it you want to know? What is it for you is going to make a difference and be powerful in your teaching? And then we can push the refinement and those those kind of investigations into the data to underpin those assumptions to teams who are, who are actually skilled in that environment, the data scientists, the data engineers. People can, can extract information for us. So and to me, the real focus of Learning analytics is to create really powerful stories from an end user that we can then feed into the technical teams to deliver our data to underpin those assumptions and those outcomes. It's not someone having to do all the work at one end of the spectrum. It's about tying it together um, as a linear story.
0: And making those connections through a story and creating that narrative is critical, just to inform future iterations—not of one unit, but across the board—with transforming education into that online space as well.
1: Exactly, it is about that whole notion of you know, it's you know, it takes a community um, or a village to raise, to raise a, a child. child. You know, it, it it takes a community of practice really to enhance and keep qualities of education moving forward as well. And you know, we need to pull together all those different bits and pieces.
0: And that's a good that's a good parting comment. I think is it's not fully refined yet; that we still got a ways to go. But something that we can do is ask ourselves: what questions do we want solved? Solved. What do we need to know in order to help um, the teaching and learning process? Look, thank you for your insights, today, Brett. It's actually been very informative for myself as well. Um, just in relation to uh, learning analytics being such a big topic, I think, but little nuggets and little strategies that you've uh, provided today uh, to Uh, the teaching and learning process that can actually uh, inform that process, I should say. So thank you for your time and uh, yeah, look forward to chatting soon.